0: Friends, welcome to the podcast that should never have been. This has been a half hour uphill battle to just try to make this goddamn thing work. Welcome to whatever this is going to turn into. I'm sure it's going to be just a real diamond in the rough, though. My name's Dan Hurt, hosting this episode of the Corn Tigers podcast, joined as always by the applause, just friendly Craig Laporte. Craig, how are you? I'm fantastic, Dan. I hope everybody else is doing well out there. I bet they are. I bet they are. Uh, speaking of which, how's our best boy, grip, Ty Roberts? How are you, sir? Boo! <laughs> I'm good.
1: That's a hard boo. All right. <laughs> That's kind of
0: where we all are tonight. Um, yeah, This. so this is, this is like cobbled, I don't want to say cobbled together, because there have been a great many wonderful things that have been cobbled together, but I hope this gets included among them. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is an off format. It's possibly a mini-sode, but regular-sized. We'll it's see how mini-sode. this goes. Yeah. It's a mini-sode. We just want to talk about a couple things. We don't have a big specific thing. We've got a couple things that we've had in mind. One of those is the Netflix sensation uh, Squid Game, which we're going to talk about in, in a few minutes. But before that, I guess I'd like to do a social media update. Craig, is there a social media update for today's mini-sode?
2: Jeez. Thank you, Ty. The bad news is I did go to check our Gmail right before this particular episode started, about 45 minutes ago, and uh, I don't remember the password, uh, so I've got to do a recovery, but I'm pretty sure there was nothing there. The good news is our Instagram is off the chain compared to what it's been in the past. Uh, lots of good responses to the Norm McDonald centric posts uh, around our last episode, uh, which I really enjoyed. I thought we did a good job. Uh, guys, we forgot to write jokes for this one, I think. Ooh, uh, well, which was a yeah, mistake. I true. do want I really am gonna ask for that on next one though. I think we're actually scheduled for sode here anyway because it's between a full subject episode if that's our continued thing but uh yeah, yes. this isn't so this isn't so crazy for this to
0: hit the feed. Excellent. Wow. Well, this, then this fits right in like a dirty shirt. Yeah. Um, so, so we, we have no real aside from the the general love on Instagram. No, uh, no general, uh, no, no emails, no Gmails. That you know means what
2: I w- let me I cover. A- no, no, she's, she's good. She liked our last post, which, uh, we did have a post to acknowledge because I'm tired of people contacting me to say, Hey guys, did you guys hear the news? There's a second season of the tiger King coming to Netflix the Tiger King is obviously back where we started. We're, you know, back to our roots. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said in that post, yes, we are aware. And to directly answer your question, may, maybe, 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 maybe we'll be doing that. We'll see. There's a, there's a lot of internal things we got to line up here. There's negotiations happening. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> we're, try, we're trying to work out a thing with Spotify, but who knows? Who knows if yeah. that'll actually happen?
2: If we can't right. get Joe Exotics people on board, then I mean we'll see what
0: happens. I suspect that all it would take would be money, uh, possibly some methamphetamine. Well, I'm fresh out of money. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
2: mostly because of all of my meth. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: uh, so, my well, myth. why don't why don't we touch on Squid Game? Because th- this is this is kind of a thing that you guys have watched. Craig, I feel as though you're enthusiastic about it, but I'm. I'm only, I'm more or less in the dark about it. I know it's like a Korean show where it's like Hunger games Z, maybe. I don't even know. Tell me about it. What is it? We had some internal discussion again about doing a
2: full Squid Games episode, maybe trying to catch the wave of this particular show. Uh, Myself and Mr. Roberts, I believe, have watched the entire thing start to finish. Uh, Is that correct,
1: Doc? Yeah, one of my deepest and most painful regrets, but yes.
2: Sure. And Dan said that I was enthusiastic about it. And I will yeah. say that I was enthusiastic about talking about it. However, no. this show sucks monkey nuts. No
0: way. Yeah. Why terrible is everybody show. talking about it?
1: I don't know. The answer is more of like a comment on the current path of society, I think, than anything else.
2: It's, it could be it. I have never struggled so much uh, to you know, hopping on one of those zeitgeisty waves. And understanding why people were there. Usually, you're like, okay, I, I can see, I can see what it is that people liked about this. I had, I don't, I don't see five percent of what the big deal was on this. To me, this entire show, which is, uh, you know, five, five, four hundred five, so about five hundred people, um, all go into this game with a chance to win a ridiculous amount of money. Works out to about forty-seven million dollars, I think, Canadian. Uh, Forty-seven billion yen, thanks inflation. Um, <laughs> Is it a yen? I think that yon yen. I don't know the pronunciation. It's because because I, I they're in
1: Korea, right? They're not. They're South South Korea. Yeah, so it wouldn't yeah, be the yen, but I, I do why, not know that. It's not
2: yen, though. it's 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 spelled very similar to yen. Yeah. I'm not gonna try to pronounce it. I'm just gonna call it a yen. Because me trying to pronounce it will be more well, offensive than me not.
1: Let's not yeah, let's not be intentionally wrong though. So let's be accidentally wrong. Let's refer to it as the yong. Yong? Okay. So, yeah, yeah, couldn't uh, we
0: say Korea bucks? It, get
1: yeah. oh i like that yeah korea okay, bucks. So 46 million billion korea, korea bucks <clears throat> billion korean, korean bucks
2: and every time uh they they the winner of the to win this game that they've all agreed to play and all these people have been selected because they have crippling debt uh and invited into this game they've all shown up voluntarily they're, they're, sorry they're they're asked to play a series of children's games the first one is red light green light and that was uh Kind of the message that hit me when I was like, okay, this seems like a cool concept, kind of like a a Black Mirror episode. There's going to be more to it because I knew that it was at least six episodes because I had heard that they play six games to whittle down to the winner. The first episode, you watch it and then you pretty much get the rest of the show. There's nothing else going on here. This could have been a one hour Black Mirror episode and I would have said, hey, that was pretty strong. But as uh, whatever it worked out to be, eight hours of ridiculousness with some weird shoehorned in plot about a police officer looking for his brother who he thought was. Yeah, Ty, feel free to jump in. I can shit on this for a long time, but it's going to sound
1: really (laughs) random. I want to talk about the, the police officer for sure. But this show, I think I would be very, very interested in just taking a peek at Netflix's actual numbers. And I know that information isn't easy to come by, but it would be great. I would love to know how many people watched this all the way through. Mm. And it's interesting because, because I did and it was partially because the wife and I were watching it. We just didn't want to stop it. There's really nothing else to kind of move to in its place, but I was thinking about this because I was talking to somebody about uh, about this show on the weekend, and I was trying to figure out what hooked me and what made me watch it, even though I recognized early on that I didn't like it. And it, ha- I think, it has to do with the just the visual of the little guys in the masks in this sort of sterile environment playing a kid's game with a big doll. I think that looked very cool and was kind of its hook, and I think people. I had walked by people talking about this on this weekend as well. So it's it's out there. Mm-hmm. And I think people hear about it. Then they see that visual and it looks very interesting and weird. And oh, what is that? And then they watch one episode or one and a half episodes. And then they tell their friend to watch it uh, before they get all the way to the end to realize they just wasted a lot of their time. And it gets really stupid at the end. Like, Ty, if I can. Ad- if I can address one of your
2: first questions, uh, one of your first points about viewership, there's a Forbes article from four days ago where Netflix had disclosed that 142 million people have watched the show. Does
1: that mean all the way through, though? I don't know, but yeah, that exactly. is uh,
2: just based on that same metric. With any other show that they've o- that they've offered, that same metric is the highest it has ever been. This is their most viewed show ever. And I don't get it. Now, I do want to point out, I had a good conversation with a, a girl at work, uh, a coworker of mine who um, actually submitted a uh, an idea for our, our listener show way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, she had asked me, uh, did you watch it with subtitles? And my answer was no. Here's how I tried to watch this show. And after this conversation with her, it did change my uh, view about maybe why other people liked this and I didn't, uh, it kind of gave it a, a, a ray of hope that maybe I, I'm just missing the boat here and that there is, in fact, a boat to be missed. I started to watch this show uh, dubbed in English with English subtitles, as me and the wife do sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you're eating some chips or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, what was that word? Quick, and you can look up and catch it because we don't like to have it on too loud when the kids are asleep and a couple of different things. But immediately – I was jarringly slapped in the face that the English words being spoken by these characters did not match the English words being displayed in the subtitles. Yeah. They were always close. They were always similar in message, but they were never a direct lineup. And that was throwing me off too much that I had to turn off the subtitles. Now the problem with that is the English dubbing on this show is fucking awful. It's as though this entire series is acted by fifth graders and they did something in it that Ty and I actually talked about in one of our previous conversations before we knew we were going to podcast about this. Cause otherwise we try to sequester ourselves from these conversations was to uh, to say that we were sure that what they had done with the English dubbing was try their best to line it up with the Korean lip movements yeah, in that, in both the pacing of the language and sometimes even I think the actual translation was sacrificed because I think they had some sort of maybe like lip reading expert in to say, well, it looks like he could have said this and that's kind of what he said. So let's, let's shoehorn that in there. And it was fucking awful. Yeah. So what uh, my coworker suggested probably would have given me a much better experience. And looking back, I think she's probably right. Would, would have just been to watch it in Korean. So that I'm not judging the terrible voice acting and its' weird synchronicity and whatnot with the lips and and just gone English subtitles. It probably think, would have been a much better show
1: that way for me. I think that could have only helped. yeah but I would not assume that you would come out of there thinking, this is good because I my and maybe I'm being um, overly harsh, but I've been forced to watch uh, certain weekends a lot of Chinese stuff. That is
2: certain weekends. Let's hear about those weekends. Well, there—that's you know.
1: (laughs) Don't worry about it. But um, I made—I've had conversations with my in-laws who are um, Chinese before about this kind of thing, Uh, because I would watch like a a Chinese comedy with English subtitles and spoken Chinese. Comedies are especially bad because the humor there's such a cultural rift. There, Mm -hmm. what they think is funny on television or movies is is just not does not always land and I don't know because I can tell a lot of it is just slapstick stuff that I think is goofy and I just personally don't find it funny but then the translation even to direct text is not landing because there's a lot of culturally specific humor that are missing out on like it's like if you call let's just this is the first one like I don't find this funny but but calling a police officer uh, a pig in my okay that's something that they don't do over there and wouldn't even understand right yeah. so they've got a lot of stuff like that a lot of stuff like that like a bunch of um, weird things like if you eat this you'll get zits or you'll if you eat this of uh, your uh, you'll marry a man with a lot of zits and all kinds of crazy shit <laughs> what zit related no humor <laughs> yeah, yeah that does not there's, make there's any sense it makes no sense to us So they have two choices. They either translate it in a way that in like for like one for one, and then Mm -hmm. it just, we don't get it at all. Mm -hmm. Or they make the odd choice to sort of try to spin it in a way that we might find it funny. Right. Sure. And then the third thing I was talking to you about, about the acting in this is I find that this is like an Asian film thing. There's a lot of like close-up shots of lip quivering and nose flaring. And just like, (laughs) that's like a really like, if you had to look up the textbook of Pacific uh, Acting School, lip quiverings on page one. Like that's the first thing you need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And and after you and if you as soon as you see it, then you can't stop seeing it. And it's yeah. the go to thing. It's like, oh. And then the again, it's the uh, the dub. The dub is oh. The dub if the, <laughs> the dub is oh way 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 overdone. You don't yeah. have to make a sound for every inhale or exhale. Like if I'm watching Sylvester Stallone talk, I don't hear him. If he's just got his mouth open, he doesn't have to go. You know, nobody,
2: nobody in this show. And there are consistently for the first half of the show, dozens, if not hundreds of people in a room uh, at the same time, there is never at any point on screen more than one person talking. Not that, they need to talk over each other or that there should be, but the people in the background are all standing completely silent at all times. Everyone is <laughs> no, just a statue. I, I
1: noticed that <laughs>
2: everyone is just a statue when it's not their line, the entire show. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I noticed it halfway through episode one, when they finally all got together and it kind of carries on. There's just when they're in a room with, because all these people are forced to stay in one communal, it's uh almost like a prison with bunks, one huge warehouse room where they eventually, you know, would go all Lord of the Flies on each other and kill each other at night. But there's just, like I said, one person will get up and monologue to the group and everyone stops and listens politely. And usually they're screaming, oh, we're better than this, you know, whatever. And there's just no, never
1: any real action happening in the background at any point. It's so weird. I also was reading prior to starting it, like because I want to see, you know, what is this about? And and I, the line I got most is is um, like a one liner about, oh, it's it's a commentary on like classism. Or watching this, I had to laugh. Like that is, first of all, later on, it turns out that this is a a big staged thing, and a bunch of billionaires show up later to sort of watch the last guys do the thing. So it's like Hunger bed, Games
2: and bet on the ponies kind of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's like a it's a Hunger Games, but not everyone gets to watch. Just you, you pay like a presumably an expensive fee, and you come in, and those are the guys that presumably fund the whole operation for some reason. Mm. And uh, so those guys show up, and they are caricatures of, you know, your Western billionaire. They're like fat. They're making jokes. So one of the guys is wearing like a, golden masks. Yeah, like it's oh, as way, you... way 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 beyond like. It's a parody of itself. It's just so stupid.
2: Yeah. It's an eighth graders social commentary on like it's,
1: it's so, it's so ridiculous. It's uh, if anyone takes that as a serious commentary of like, uh, (laughs) then you've got problems. But then beyond that, uh, we're going to get into the real spoilers here. There's the subplot about the, uh, the cop with the missing brother who ends Mm -hmm. up finding this whole thing. That plot is, I I still don't know why that happened. So, Oh please It was uh
2: this this movie was uh written and presented about ten years ago. It's been rejected, 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 rejected. Netflix oh. had a push to develop more international uh stories yeah. and threw some money at this one because it's been out there for a while. And he decided to add that at the last minute. I need a side I need a side plot here because there's nothing else going on. So this completely non- So you tell me what I'm
1: missing about the side plot. Cop? Looks looking for his brother simultaneously as this main individual is sucked into the whole game experience. Okay. The cop finds the island. He kind of figures out there's an organ harvesting thing going on for some of the people to get killed. Yeah. Um, that doesn't really go anywhere. Then he no, it um then he he discovers what's going on and then it's time for him to get off the island and try and warn his buddies, okay. Mm-hmm. He gets off the island. He finds that his brother, that was missing, which I think, but to this point, he presumed was a contestant in the game, is who had actually been killed previously
2: in a previous round.
1: Right, that was his assumption. Yes, he ends up a, the point man on the whole operation. Yeah, he's, he's running it, and he shoots him and kills him. Yeah, so the guy just dies. Yep, and that's the end of the subplot. The only functional story re- usage of that is that he gets a. Um, he gets a message off, I think, to the authorities, right?
2: I don't know that he did, but I think he faked it and said that he did. I thought that he didn't really do it. But uh, my my thoughts on why that existed was so that they could show the inner workings of the group that's running this thing a little bit. But it, almost, it was done in such a stupid way. So, Dan, mm. uh, you didn't see this, so I'm going to nope. tell this to you and the audience, both of them. So this guy, he sees... After the first episode... Hang on, is, is ha- this
0: guy the, the, cop? the
2: cop? The cop, the cop. They're all presented with three rules for this game. The third rule is, uh, the third clause of their contract is, if ever if more than half the people want to call off the game, they just have to vote, and the game is called off. So after the first event where they watch a bunch of people die, I think over 100 people die in the first game, they vote and call off the game, and everybody gets to go home, which okay. sa- might sound bonkers to you.
1: Uh so it certainly should it is it's ridiculous. <laughs> so,
2: so they just release all these people. You're all back home, you're back to your old life, nothing has changed. Okay. But they know that they also have the option if they want to return later. But they all go back to their old lives and they're miserable despite the fact that they escaped, you know, seemingly a 50/50 shot at death by playing this stupid red light green light game. The one of them goes to uh goes to a police station and is reporting what happens our main character uh, Jiung, I forget his name is it Jiang? Oh,
1: anywhere our main character number
2: 456 <laughs> uh, yeah contestant 456 they all have numbers I'm sure you've seen pictures of these guys yeah. they have numbers on their outfits he's number 456 he's the last contestant who entered he goes to report this whole thing to the police and this detective just happens to wander in. first thing this detective wanders in and you're like well what's this 16 year old boy doing at the police station because this guy <laughs> looks extremely young it's really odd Um, But the detective overhears this and he sees him hold out, uh, hand in the card that has the X or sorry, it has the circle, the triangle and the square emblem on it, which is the sign of this group on these cards that they hand out to people. And uh, somehow he stumbles into at the end of the second episode, everyone who went home miraculously
1: has decided, hey, let's go back and give this a shot. That was the moment that, and that's episode two, right? That's episode two. I was done with the show at that point, yeah. Yeah, I, was <laughs> I still like, <laughs> Fuck I nice. have a clip from um, the cop once he infiltrates. Hold on, I just want to make the play.
0: Oh, sure. If Ripping Throats gets that warhead back, I'll suck as many dicks as I've got, uh, rip as many throats as I have to. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: oh, that, that's not huh. that was the wrong well, one. That, wasn't it. that, that hey,
0: was a good dubbing, it sounded like good. <laughs>
2: Yeah, hey, that, that was much better than any of the dubbing in the actual show. Yeah. So this guy uh, identifies our main character and tags along behind him. Ends up on the island where these games are taking place. Because all these people are drugged in vans and dragged out to a ferry and
1: uh, out to an island. Where Quick note thing... about the van drugging. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. So they recruit these guys. And they tell you to they tell they tell you to meet you at this place. So they 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 give you they they tease you with a little money. It's this whole thing. Then you kind of are enticed by what they might be offering. So you end up meeting uh, them to uh, for a pickup, and they pick you up in a van. And this was episode one, and I was like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen." <laughs> this guy gets so it's this unmarked van pulls up with stranger driving it. He opens the door and sees that everyone in the van is quote, sleeping. So there's people sleeping in the back of the van, okay? And he goes inside, sits Mm -hmm. down, closes the door, and it's like he's asking questions in his, like, stupid dub voice. And he's like, you know, what's all going on here? Why is everyone sleeping, huh? And then all of a sudden this gas, like super visible gas, starts pouring in from the ceiling. He looks around, and I'm not joking. He has what feels like six or seven seconds to react. All he does is look at the gas around him. He doesn't try for the door. He doesn't like grab the door or try and get out. Like he barely reacts at all. It was the stupidest. There's so many moments in this show. My wife was laughing her ass off because she's like, those poor
2: other people in the van have just been gassed like seven times over. Permanent <laughs> <laughs> <didn't even> <laughs> brain damage.
1: The other four times. They're, uh, that's got to affect their game you, performance.
2: You want to be the last one on that van or you're yeah. fucked.
1: <laughs> but there were so many moments in this. That the reaction of the of the actors was so unbelievable, yeah, to real yeah. life, you know what I mean? like
0: you know i've I've heard that critique in a lot of places, uh, well, maybe I haven't heard it enough because a lot of shows have smart people acting stupidly, making yeah. them dumb <laughs> you can you can believe someone's maybe not too smart, right? But they always try to and it's like, no that's not. That's not. It's hard to say what a normal person would do in a really bonkers situation. Like if you found yourself sitting in a van and you now realize that you're getting gassed, um, like what what's the normal response there? But I'm pretty he sure looks it's not around, just
2: sitting. He just looks around like somebody farts, but
1: he's clearly about to die. Yeah, and and you know I wouldn't get in the van and shut the door behind me unless the guy driving the van at least acknowledged I was standing there first and wasn't
2: wearing a. a dark black mask, mask with a
1: truck with yeah. a triangle on it perfect like, you know, um i would think if i were this guy I'd be like well this is clearly i'm going to get raped like i'm not at a minimum i don't know what else this could be i'm about I to be am, human trafficked yep. for rape or raped now i one of the two um i certainly wouldn't be jumping in the van but uh they make it sound like these guys are so desperate for a few bucks like and they're in debt like Declare bankruptcy. Do they not have bankruptcy so, in Korea? I
2: guess not. So hold just, on. Let me let me, let me finish <laughs> the explanation of, of the police officer for Dan. So Dan, I've got him to the boats. They're going out I to the I think you island.
0: misunderstand my level of interest. No, no. But this is important. <laughs> this, this is one no, of the biggest is, things. No, it is. That's the
2: point. It's this not is, important at all. Well, this is one of the <laughs> biggest things that threw me off about this whole thing, was that this police officer just steps into this militaristic operation with clear rankings where everyone marches single file step lockstep yeah. down a hallway, knows when to do their about face and stand by their door, and Buddy just fucking slides in and nobody notices him.
0: Oh, he's just walking a boot, no big deal. Yeah, like he yeah, just no, it, yeah. he's like, no, this
2: is this is what we do down this hallway.
0: Takes his notebook out, starts flipping through it. <laughs> it's so
2: it, the security
1: flaw in the evil base is that they've they've covered up all their employees and have no way of uniquely identifying any of them. <laughs> Other than where they go to sleep at night, they each have a unique spot to uh, to sleep. But anyway, the, the point of the, that I was trying to make by bringing the cop up was, mm-hmm. you think that this, this is an arc, you make the mistake of thinking there's going to be a, a beginning, middle, and end of this police officer's story, and mm-hmm. he just got shot at the edge of a cliff. Like, <laughs> making everything he has done up to this point, he's basically a tour guide for you to be walked mm-hmm. through the compound and then discarded once that once his function as a tour guide has been uh, depleted. He's, he's out. And then we get to the dumbest point of this entire thing. And I was telling Craig this. Halfway through this show, I had this epiphany moment. And I, I was thinking, and I think of this often when I'm watching things. Um, it's about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, after episodes one, two, three came out, there was this big hullabaloo and this idea that George Lucas's original intent in the prequel trilogy was to make Jar Jar a bad guy. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember hearing about it, yeah. So there's this, um, this edit on YouTube of clips of him and discussions and things that George Lucas has said and something the actor tweeted after the f- this had gotten viral. And it does seem to me that that was the intent. And especially if you rewatch the first one, he, he even does a few things that are kind of shady but the biggest evidence toward that theory was a, was George Lucas explaining something in one of the in the original trilogy about Yoda. He's saying in a fairy tale story, there's a character that you sort of meet halfway down the road and he's just this little innocent innocuous or goofy character and then at the end he turns out to be the grand wizard who's been orchestrating the entire thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that was how Yoda worked out when he found Yoda and realized he was, he looked like a goofy little side character, a comic relief character. And then he turned out to be the Jedi master Luke was looking for. Hashtag and,
2: spoiler alert.
1: And this was the idea for Jar Jar apparently as well being, but the evil master, you know, what I was, I always think of that when I'm watching something long like that, or when the little character comes halfway through, who looks like too innocent and too. And yeah. I said to my wife, I said, he befriends an old man halfway through the show. And the old man seems to be getting lucky and he's having a, too good of a time, especially in the first game. He's he's not too bothered by people getting gunned down. And I said to Tracy, I said, I bet he's the Yoda in this. He, I bet he turns out that he's the guy. And sure enough, in the last, he goes out in a sort of ambiguous way when after a game of marbles uh, where he's partnered up with his best buddy. His best buddy has to take... He, he take him out and he's acting senile at this point. Mm. Uh, he is presumed dead. And then in the last episode after this guy wins um, and has a rough life uh, outside uh, after winning the game. Hold on. He gets called voluntarily,
2: to Voluntarily a rough life because he refuses to spend his money because he has so much guilt. Okay? Yeah, he, but he fucking wins and then just says, eh, I don't really want this $47 billion.
1: Yeah. If, if I would have believed that if he was desperate to vote out and there was never a vote out, that's how that should have been written, right? If he was always the guy saying, we got to get out of here and nobody, but he's been, he still ends up winning, then he would be, it would make sense for a character to spend a year feeling guilty after the fact, right? But that's not what happened. He voted out. He voluntarily went back in and he didn't advocate for everybody stopping again, right? So... He, he meets the guy and the old man's dying and he admits to him that he had done all that. And he, his explanation as to why is so pointless and stupid. He just oh, I liked having fun. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I had fun. It makes no <laughs> attempt to explain why he flies in four white billionaires in to bet on it or any of that stuff. It's just Are, pointless. Quick, quick question.
0: So the billion are there more than four billionaires at the end, or is it just four billionaires?
1: It's like four or five or something, right, Quinn? Yeah, yeah. So and white? they
0: they
2: are they are not under any uh, stakes or pressure for what yeah. they do. They're just there to bet. Are they all so there's Westerners, no, though? There's no yeah. There's no elimination of these people yet. Well, I think they are. Yeah, in mine they, they, were, all, and they were and they were actually English speakers.
1: Right. Yeah. They were not. So the dubbed. white devil comes in to to finance the whole deal. Really? um yeah and one of them's fat and and he's uh he he tries to he tries to rape the uh the waiter who turns out to be like it's it's the cop yeah
2: the cop so the cop's has trying to figure blow. out what's
1: going on he poses as a waiter and then the big fat white guy is trying to rape him um Was yeah that Tim so it happens and their dialogue is like again. Craig nailed it when he said, written by someone in grade eight. It's like it's like jokey, evil dialogue. Like, oh, I wonder uh, if I, I wonder how he'll die. <laughs> like, it's just so stupid.
2: Dan, I'm sorry we missed Tim Dillon. That was good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey. Last time I saw you, you had a grenade launcher in one hand and an M16 in the other, and you had just ripped a dude's throat out with your bare hands. Classic McGruber.
2: MacGruber! <laughs> oh.
1: I was supposed well, to be the. That uh, was supposed to be the monologue of the old man in this, dying in his chair.
0: <laughs> well, one of the things that I was going to ask you guys is if, if we can kind of just step back one step from the the actual just show bad. itself. And I I had heard this as well that it was a decade where he just got rejection, rejection, and now he's you know the happiest fellow in the world that got a show made by Netflix. But I was wondering, like. If it's been rejected for a decade and although it seems popular in some circles, you guys have been more than happy to shit all over it. Why did it get made now? What do you guys think in that movie? No? What do you well, Craig is shaking his head no? For for those that can't see the live stream.
1: I'm willing to bet high I'm willing to bet that I will agree with your theory, Dan. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I don't have one.
0: Uh, although I, I, I do don't. find it interesting that the bad guys, in the end, you know, uh, we we, we, could, we could we could we could we could say this to maybe interesting. You know what? Though part part of me makes part of me thinks that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the, the white devil at the end. Part of me thinks it could be just be it. it can't be it can't be like uh, it can't be a a countryman that is the bad guy.
1: Because for some, well, the what's silly a... about it is that it's still pretty obvious that it, that the bad guy is the old guy. I mean, oh, he, it? It, it, none of this happens without him, except they present it as like a nice dying old man kind of sorry, sorry, the, you're, the, ruin,
0: the,
1: you're ruining our chances of getting picked up by the Alan, Adam Carolla show here. But <laughs> Dan you know, like, on pace. He, it, It's just his... The main character is frustrated or upset with the old man. There's no question about it. But it it doesn't again it doesn't make any sense like the old man for some reason there's a there just conveniently is a as a bum on this uh, uh he's like on the 20th story of an empty building yes with a hospital bed
0: the Literally. whole room is
1: cleared out and I, i'm and it's How snowing outside and, there? and there's a homeless there's a homeless person sitting on the curb outside and he goes i bet no one's gonna help that guy and he was kind of trying to say i you know I'm, I, at least I helped you, you know, like I gave everybody a chance, you know, that, that's what I was trying to do. And, but that's obviously false. Like there's no, you have to cut for the bad guy, not to be a joke. You he has to people without making them mor- murder 454 other people. Right. But for the bad guy, not to be a joke, the bad guy has to at least believably think that he's doing something right. True. And all the dialogue for that is there except for some reason they had to fly in four white guys to bet on the thing. And that kind of throws out the whole idea. You know what I mean? Like it makes that part of it. He's not, there is no way to defend that. So this whole monologue on this guy is totally pointless because we know he did that. So, and it, it turns out, so as the guy passes away just before midnight, the bet is won by the main character because somebody does come and pick up uh, the homeless guy off the curb. which uh, and, and that's supposed to be like their big commentary on uh, the human spirit or class or something like that. And it just falls flat because it's just a big joke. Now, maybe I, I'm willing to concede that some of these criticisms might be completely washed away by bad translation. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, if you really want to know why this movie got made, it's because... Of what somebody said earlier, one of the two of you, Netflix is definitely looking to put like for some reason. It just every every week Netflix recommends a Bollywood show to me at least once. You're not going to get me, Netflix. I'm not watching anything Bollywood. <laughs> you go but, ahead and keep. You know, trying. I think we've all probably noticed that. So you know, those yeah. are there and. It makes sense from a business perspective. It's a global company. It's not a North American company.
2: This was their most localized show ever, which I'm sure is contributing to their Mm. uh, numbers on this one. This has been dubbed in more languages and uh, transcribed into more languages for closed captioning uh, than any show they've ever done. And obviously it's paying off for them. And if you're going to do that to a show, it doesn't necessarily matter where it's made. If you can get, like you said, the hook on this one was, you know, enough to grab both of us where i was like hey that's a cool concept i want to give it a shot but i was hate watching it like you after the second second episode saying okay is this gonna get better like there's got to
1: be more to it and there just wasn't i think there's a light at the end of the tunnel here as far as this type of show goes because i would watch another show like this under the right circumstances but one of those circumstances would have to be better dubbing. And I have a feeling when I was watching this that they did not expect it to blow up the way it did and they probably mm. didn't spend the money on dubbing that they would have if they knew. And so, and I know this has been a across the board criticism of of the show. So, I have a feeling if confronted with these types of choices again Netflix or whoever's paying for that will probably opt for a more careful job of the translation and the, and the, and the dubbing, because I don't know, man. Uh, I,
0: because I, I, I just,
1: just, go ahead if they think they got something that's going to play good in the West. I think they'll say, ah, oh, you know, let's, let's not just hand this to the outfit that's does it for everybody. And they get it done in two weeks. Let's, let's put some effort into it. You know, maybe we'll hire some known Lewis actors Lewis
2: Gossett jr.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are video games out there where highly paid actors are in there to play voice parts. They could they yep. could definitely spend a little dough in that department and probably get sure. a better result. So
0: well well kind of on that note, there was a movie I watched a couple of years ago called uh, Being Bean George Clooney. And it was uh, nothing like being John Malkovich. Th- this was all about the international dubbing, like the dude for India, for oh, Korea, yeah. for Italy, for Germany. All the guys that were out there that were the voice of George Clooney when they dubbed it for local audiences. And it, it was interesting because I think it was what maybe Italy. I want to say it was Italy. And this may sound like a shot at Italy, Italy but it's not. Um, that like some countries just seem to have like a really, really strong dubbing culture versus the subtitle stuff. And I want to say it was Italy from what I remember, because they were talking about, you know, when movies first came in and when they started to import stuff from wherever, like the reading level just wasn't there for a lot of people. So they couldn't subtitle stuff. So they had to dub and it just became part of the, the general culture. But, um, yeah, I mean, if if you get some people that are actually trying, it, it makes a difference, but they still have to try to dovetail it to where the lips are moving. And, Maybe they and, need
2: to add another dubstep there. So that's, that's it. There, there's got
0: to be at least additional dubstep. Just at least dubstep one.
2: steps is the, dubstep's the answer to yeah. everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember seeing Jack Black doing promos for Kung Fu Panda, and uh, he was in China. And somebody said, you know, he said i don't know why i'm here i don't do the voice of the panda in china i have nothing that's to do so with it. You, yeah, that's so funny yeah like so funny he's never no ridiculous
0: for that's for sure
1: <laughs> <laughs> and i never thought of that but it's insane they're flying jack black around why am the world I here? and he doesn't do the voice of the panda in any of these places
2: <laughs> so <stupid. laughs>
1: so yeah that's I, the only excuse for that is culture dub culture yeah, well, no, This well, is this Vin- is the Panda. The Panda was based on Jack Black, okay?
0: I guess I guess to Vin Diesel's... You know, I'll give Vin Diesel a lot of shit, because I just, you know... I used to really like him, but then he just seemed like a character of himself, but... Then he made Triple X? Um, what's that?
2: Then he made Triple
0: X? Well, I think that's when I was still hot on Vin Diesel. I was pro-Vin <laughs> Diesel at
1: that point. I <laughs> am concept. going to clip that. Uh, yeah. so note to self. <laughs> Pop that in the soundboard for later. Uh, Did you guys know that uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and Vin Diesel are in a feud? I've heard about this.
0: Well, maybe.
1: They are totes in a feud, Dan. Well, I'll tell you who I'm siding with. Have you guys ever
0: asked? So in, in, in a lot of circles, whenever we get together with couples, I'm always interested on the ladies' perspective of Vin Diesel versus Dwayne Johnson. No, you're
1: not. 100% I, 100% I am. I think and, I have oh. heard you.
0: Have, have, you oh. been a part, have you been a part of that conversation? I think again? you
1: asked Tracy that when you visited me years ago. This That's is not a, a is new thing. This is a fascination of mine. Yeah.
0: Okay, Craig, did, have I never bring this up, brought this up with you and Gemma? Dan, you are a fucking weirdo. <laughs> what is. What is
1: you. Happening? We'll pause if you want to go get your logbook.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> well. Okay, so uh, Craig, where do you yeah. think most ladies fall on the Vin Duane spectrum here? I don't
2: care. I can,
0: I. I you can, don't can, care. Can I, guess? I had to listen to a shitty review of a shitty show
1: for forty minutes. He, uh, he was being very kind to Craig because you basically did the whole thing. Well,
0: now I don't um, want to tell you. No, you don't. No, no, arguing. no. I want
1: to. Can I bet? I, I. I have to imagine that the ladies like Dwayne more because Dwayne's got the face. I don't, that's Vin Diesel's face is kind of a mess, if you ask me.
0: Now I'm afraid that's your bias showing, Ty, because gentlemen <laughs> prefer Dwayne Johnson, ladies the prefer Vin Diesel. Oh. This, this is almost almost unanimous that this line is drawn, and I think it's because there, there's something like the because the, is it the women rock are is idiots? too big, <laughs> He's just too bulky. Personality? You think it's not a personality?
2: I think it's a personality. Are you out is. of your fucking mind? Vin Diesel has no personality.
0: He looks like a complete douchebag. Like this is what I don't. Yeah, I, I, uh,
1: I can't. I can't wrap my head around ladies liking Vin Diesel over Dwayne Johnson. I he's no cool wrap Jay. my head around that. I uh, don't even. Do you really give f- me, who, give me the rock? How many? Roughly, how many women have you asked this question? I'm going to say upwards Two. of eight. Oh, okay. That sample size is too small. Well, I, I don't know like that like many people.
0: What do you want from me?
1: Well, we're going to have to, uh, Craig. Yep. What I'm going to need you to do is uh, social Insta-
2: media updates.
1: Yeah. We're <laughs> going to get to the Twitter bottom point. of this by next episode. I, you got to work your hashtag game here. Okay. Okay. Find out what the diesel hashtags are. Find out what the rock hashtags are. Use the <laughs> right ones. We got to kind of keep it even and then do like a- hashtag rockcock or hashtag diesel dick. How's that? Can, can you, oh, did they let you do polls and write integrated? polls? No, no, you, you can't. have to Talk do the, to the, the hashtag. hashtag? So you have to respond with a hashtag. Well, you can do it on Twitter, though. For what? We don't means. have a Twitter. We're not. We're not we don't tweeters.
2: We're uh, Craig,
1: do, do not do not involve the what sex are you aspect of it. Just just make your best guess. based Who
0: on, do you like more?
1: Yeah, and then just well, figure but that's out. That's going
0: to skew it based on no no, my no no no
1: no 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 no. We don't. I don't want to skew it. That's why I'm saying that. We'll separate the men and the women ourselves. But don't tell them that it's. You're trying to – that. that's the point of the question. Listen, you guys, just want to know who's hotter. That's all. The
0: pool
2: we're polling from, I've got the demographics in front of me if you want to know. We have a 54% female audience. Okay. 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 So uh, for those who have identified themselves through their various platforms, I'm looking at the, the bar graph right now. 54% female audience. Uh, 44% of our demographic is in 35 to 44 years old. So I mean, this seems like the wheelhouse for people who are going to be familiar with these two.
1: The hashtag should wipe that though. I think you'll get more people answering outside of our listenership. Oh,
2: that's true. I'm sure we'll bring some other people, and we'll also get uh, offers to advertise on other people's podcasts, which are always (laughs) fun. We uh, I I wanted to shout this out earlier. We had a big moment in uh, in in Tiger King history here. Uh, We recently, between our last norm uh, the normcast and this podcast, surpassed our 2,000th listen. Um, So that was a big deal. And what I wanted to do, and actually it might play into this poll. Uh, Let's see if you guys think this is going to skew things. Uh, These are the locations of our registered listeners to this point. Um, Obviously, Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, Sweden, Puerto Rico, Denmark, France, Ireland, Austria, Portugal, Norway, Montenegro, South Africa, Germany, Mexico, Switzerland, Hungary, Philippines, Japan, Finland, Chile, South Korea. Oh, we've got somebody from South Korea. They might not appreciate this episode. Uh, and India. Hmm.
1: Hmm.
2: So it's uh, there's going to be some international flavor on this one.
0: Well,
1: Whereas, you know
2: what, I'm going to guess. I don't know what this is based on, but I have a gut feeling. And uh, The Rock ta- taught me to always follow my gut. That uh, Vin Diesel plays better internationally because of the Fast franchise than The Rock does.
1: Nope, I just figured it out. I oh, okay
2: well it fuck it
1: what is it Ty? if there's one thing we can count on from our international audience it's a healthy dose of racism
2: oh i thought we were good for that
1: no 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 no, no. Heavens, i'm no, talking no, real no. racism not the not the light stuff uh, <laughs> the kind of stuff <laughs> where the, the black guy in the poster gets shrunk down to the size of an ant hold then, on was know, that know.
2: A, was that a white joke? <laughs> are we the light <laughs> racism
0: because we're <laughs> <white>? <laughs> hey dan no I, I i
1: hear yeah. you've been uh, listening to norm mcdonald's audiobook
0: i have i have yeah there was a couple of things that i wanted to bring up and one is one is very very short so i might just get that out of the way and then the other one i want to talk about the norm book for a second um uh, so are we putting in, a
2: bow on squid games and we're just going to move on i think so yeah uh, okay
0: we're done was did you have any more
2: no uh, you... no i'm good i'm good dan i did have one question dan uh, based on our conversation, yep. as well as <laughs> what you have seen out in the world, sure. what are the chances that you will ever press play on episode one of the Squid Games?
0: Sub-zero at this
2: point. Sub-zero, okay. Shut your butt. Shut your butt.
0: I feel like we have a MacGruber episode coming up. I didn't know it <laughs> uh, We, so, Okay. Two things I want to talk about. One is a show. It's actually a kid's show. And I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, maybe, Craig, in your house, because you, you guys skew a little bit younger with the kids there. Uh, it's a show called Bluey. Have you
1: guys- <laughs> I have seen it. I love <laughs> Bluey. I just – I knew you were going to say that.
2: Bluey
0: is our favorite show in this
1: house. It is such a good show. Like,
0: it's a show and – I, and I I kind of looked at the uh, – It's it's one guy that and he hasn't I don't as far as I know he hasn't done a ton before this that's gone like big but he's the creator the writer the director I can't remember his name it's Joe something Joe Buff Bluey Bluey. but Joe Bluey yeah that's it Um, but it is for for those of you that don't know it it's it's a show it's an Australian uh, young kids cartoon with uh, a mom and a dad and two daughters and they're they're all dogs. And it's just, it is a cute, a heartwarming, very, very funny show. And I think half of the time it's written for, for grownups and not in the same way that like Shrek is like, cause like Shrek's always the example, like there's jokes for grownups in there too, which is great.
2: Dan, I'm going to say something that'll summarize. I think Bluey, uh, the best for me, uh, okay. as a parent watching Bluey, Bluey makes me a better father. That yeah. might sound outlandish. It's so but strange. But
0: yeah.
2: it's it the way that they treat and interact with their children is exactly how you should do it in today's world. I feel like it's such a perfect example. And if you watch it, you can't just sit on your phone while your kids watch Bluey and yeah. see what a real parent is supposed to be like. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it. it yeah, it really shows the
0: way. Well, we were, we were, me and Jess were talking about that the other day too, and 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 it felt like again because the parents are the ones you gravitate to as grownups, I would assume, um, and it it's like they are the best versions of real people, and 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 not in a strangely not in like a cartoonish sort of way, like. They, they had, the parents have cute jokes that, you know, a married couple that's been married for 10 years has, they, they've got this, this, this just unbelievably real element to them. That is, um, it just, it just hits on such a strange, strange level. Uh, Ty, what you, have you guys been dialed into this for a while or what?
1: No, uh, my sister, uh, um, Dana, uh, introduced me to it and I watched a couple episodes and, um, it's on Disney plus, isn't it? Yes. Um, it's a, uh. The parents were good parents. And 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 what I liked about it probably more than that was there's a push in kids' shows, I find. The children are looking to everywhere but their parents for mm-hmm. answers. Mm-hmm. And um, I find that off-putting. I, I don't like it. Um, I may or may not be right, but I just get the feeling when I see it in certain shows that it's sort of maliciously intended to that way.
2: I could not tie. If I got, I could not agree with you more. I have an, a rant that I've done dozens of times about Paw Patrol, where every adult in that mm. fucking city is a moron, mm. and they call the kids to solve their problems. Yeah, and that type of that type of representation is way more common in cartoons for kids today, where yeah. they are not taught to look to an adult for guidance or for help because adults have experience with these things and have done all the shit that they're doing. The adults are always the idiots. There's no such thing as word cleaver in kids' cartoons anymore. I know that wasn't a cartoon, but kids' shows yeah. where a positive adult role model exists. It, do, it doesn't happen anywhere. The, these people in this town, the mayor calls a fucking kid and his dogs because yeah. the mayor <laughs> can't handle things. Like I no, know that seems stu- like a weird stupid. way to read it, uh, but it's my most prime example of an yeah. overly popular show that is not teaching your kid anything good.
1: Yeah, no, 100% agree. And in the few episodes I saw, I think the one that I really remembered was um, the kids had a sort of a deal with their parents To They had like three like dance tickets or something they could use on them. um, We watched that the other day. Yeah, and um, so basically the the agreement was because the the parents had to backtrack on something and they agreed for the kids that they would have these three opportunities at any point and they had a special name for it. Do you remember what it was, Dan? Uh, uh, basically, yeah, th- they could make them dance at any point.
0: Yeah. Well, the the dad ate ate um ate Bingo, the youngest dog. He ate the Bingo's last French fry, um, and oh. didn't realize how big of a deal it was for Bingo. And then they said, "Okay, well, what do you want?" And then Bluey, the older of the two dogs, uh, says the the dance thing, you know. I don't know what it's. called. Yeah, so
1: they wind they they and they had this whole. You could tell they've done it before, and they had they triggered they turn them on by like grabbing a tail or something. I can't remember, yep. but it forces the parent to dance, and the parent. And I like that the parents are like, they're not like oh they're not crazy unrealistic. Like the parents seem based grounded in reality to a point where they'll they'll they'll, they'll whine about. It. They'll go oh I'm not here, yeah
0: not here. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: the kid's like, "No, you said." It's like, "All oh, right, let's go. Well, we'll dance here in the square. It's it's fun, and and it's and it it's grounded in reality in a way that I think probably helps kids. Yeah. And again, uh, the biggest takeaway I got from it was the parents were not letting the kids run the show, but they were involving the kids in running the show in a way that was appropriate for a kid, and it just felt. It felt like it was written by somebody who's who's actually trying to help you with your kids.
2: And the parents are typically doing something to maintain the household. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, yeah. They'll walk into a room and mom's tidying something up. Daddy's doing something too. Everybody's doing something to help contribute. Yeah. And the last for help. And I'm on helps.
1: season three. I don't know where you guys are, but there. Uh, <laughs> I really like the episode where they went to the beach to protest the lockdowns in Australia. <laughs> Everybody learns a well, the lesson. You know,
0: it's there was actually, I think the first episode that I saw that I was like, this is more than a shitty kids show, was a beach episode where the mom goes for, a they, they all go to the beach as a family. And then mom goes for a walk way down the beach and Bingo, uh, the or Bluey, the older dog, who's like, I don't know, like six, maybe seven. She, um, not in dog years. Uh, she
1: <laughs>
0: and then she has to go for a walk down the beach, but like mom is way down there and it's almost like a little adventure because there's a bird she interacts with, but there, there mm-hmm. was this, just was really sweetness to it where there's an, there's an innocence and then yeah, mom doesn't really come to the rescue, but she comes and says, yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Um, uh, yeah, that I, I've been wanting to talk about that show on this on this podcast ever since I started watching it, because it's just so it's yeah. so nice. Uh, it's 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 refreshing for uh, to, to see that for sure.
2: Robot. Uh, Robot. Daddy is a robo. Daddy is a personal favorite around. Here. Oh, yeah. Uh, anytime I'm like, let's watch blue. And they're like, let's watch robo. Daddy. <laughs> robo, robo. Daddy gets powered down at some point and he lays on the ground for a second and lets out a huge fart. And it's always a home run. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always a home run in this house the kids explode well good on
1: you <laughs>
0: yeah. oh, man. all right so the, the only other thing that i really wanted to talk about was uh was norm mcdonald Mor- norm mcdonald's book based on a true story and um this is something that you know when we were going to do the norm episode i was looking on audible for the book and i couldn't find it which i thought was really strange That, you know, I knew the book was out there. I knew it existed, but why the hell was it not on Audible? I couldn't say. I couldn't say. And maybe that's the curse of Norm MacDonald where he's like never destined to be the most successful person in the world.
1: It's it's not only not on Audible in Canada, it's on Audible in the United States. I don't know why, but that's the situation.
0: Yeah. Well, for some reason, and then you, Mr. Roberts, you found it on Spotify in a place that you wouldn't have expected.
1: Yeah. And I, it may not be there forever for that reason, but uh, well, that's why
0: I'm hustling through it. Yeah. Yeah. H- how did you find it there? What do you got like a Google alert or something?
1: No, I, um, I just searched for his name on, uh, but I searched under podcast cause I wanted to see if, you know, and I do that once in a while because some stuff trickles out. Like I, I just heard Bob Saget talking to Artie Lang and that was yesterday. And, um, Bob had led on that, um, they had dirty work 2 all lined up and in the bag and ready to go um and uh Norm genuinely thought he was going to beat his uh leukemia and it just didn't happen so I heard uh I heard that and Bob Saget's working on releasing an R the, the dirty dirty work 1 was originally supposed to be an R rated movie and oh, then okay. they they dubbed over a lot of the jokes and then removed 7 minutes of it apparently hmm. to bring it down to the more wide audience and Bob says that seven minutes is still in existence and he wants to release it an r rated version of it. Um, and he, he he, the way he worded it, he wanted to do that for Norm. And he says that, uh, it's, it's moving along. So it sounds like we'll get to watch an R rated version of Norm with seven more minutes of stuff and the right dubs, like there's clearly dubbed over parts of that movie, like just yeah. <laughs> so badly done. But, uh, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be super interested to see that. And um, all those comedians are reeling over him passing away. So they've been talking about him, and bringing him up and all their podcasts and different things. And I just like to hear any stories I can get my hands on um, when they become available. So I just do that search once in a while.
0: Have you guys read or listened to, in some fashion, his book?
1: I have the book. I read through it when it came out. So that was over yeah, a year ago. Okay. Yeah, and I just started listening to the audiobook because I just found it. But you said you were ninety minutes in, and I think I'm only I'm up to the point where he's talking to Lauren Michaels. So I'm not as far as you. Go, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, at this point. I'm two and a half hours in, and it's. Uh, I've still got oh, I don't know a bunch to go. Okay, I'm. Go- I'm going to take a tangent, and we're going to come back to Norm, and it's going to hopefully make sense. The, the movie The Prestige with Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman where they're uh kind of feuding magicians from the uh, 18th 19th century. You guys familiar with that? Love That's, that movie. Yeah, real really really cool movie, right? And and part of the uh part of the mystery of the movie is is with Christian Bale's character and Hugh Jackman's really trying to figure it out, right? And there's this old uh old Asian uh magician that comes to town and he presents on stage as this really really feeble old man. Um, but Hugh Jackman has got it figured out that that feeble old man that they watch walk, you know, out of the theater afterwards and get into his carriage. He gets helped by his assistants into the carriage. Hugh Jackman's character somehow says this, this is the act him -hmm. being an old feeble man is the act. He's actually like, you know, a, a strong with it person that has to present to the world in a way to make his act make sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Now I thought I've understood Norm MacDonald quite well and I don't, and, and you know, I'm sure other people are probably going to have made the observation that I'm going to try to make in a sensible way. I tried to tell my wife about it earlier and she's like, okay, Dan. Okay. That's enough.
1: <laughs> Enjoy your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Why?
0: So, so here's the thing. As I'm listening to this book, and it's really interesting because it's, you know, because it's because he's now passed, and it sounds different. He sounds like an old man, and one of the one of the consistent themes about Norm Macdonald is the the kind of the crazy uncle piece, right? Yep. Okay. So is he a crazy uncle? Is it just Norm being Norm? Gosh, I don't know. You know, nobody seems to, everybody says he's, he's smarter than this. He like, he's not crazy. He's not kooky. And you see that in his interview shows, you know, he, he's got some real depth to him, but there's a lot of quiet things about Norm that people probably didn't really know until people started talking a lot about him towards the end. Like he is, or was a a religious guy and kind of the, you've got to, you've got to read, a lot through the lines and through the layers of things to say, Oh yeah. Okay. He was a religious guy. A few people mentioned it here and there, you know, but even the fact that he hid his cancer from the world for like almost a decade before it took him, um, goes to part of the legend of Norm Macdonald. And I don't want to say legend, like in a goat sort of way, like, Oh, he was just the best. Cause he's, he's the man. Like, I think he was actually playing at a legend of himself, and the more I listen to the book, the more I think, and I know it might sound stupid and obvious, but the book is intentional. I think, and I think the book was made in a way where that is the thing that he wanted to leave as a legacy. Um, there are stories that come up in the book. He 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 references magic um, in the book as uh, so. The, the whole book is introduced as a way. Uh, the way it's introduced is like in the introductory, you know, well, the 10 minutes, I don't know of the first chapter it's like, yeah, this is my story. how I want to tell it. He never says this is 20% bullshit. It's 50% bullshit. It's a hundred percent fact. He never says that, but he just says, I'm going to tell this story the way I remember it. And it's done in a way where you say, well, you know that this isn't factual completely.
1: He talks about memory in general as not being. Well,
2: I was gonna say, Dan, it, the, the thing that comes to mind started hopping, uh, as someone who hasn't read, uh, or listened yeah. to a page of this yet, um, it sounds like you're talking about big fish.
0: Yes. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I, th- I think, I okay. think a lot, but, I follow. but, but in, in a slightly different way, because big fish. Big Fish is a movie, it's in Ewan McGregor movie, a uh, great movie, I love that movie, and there's a ton of, D- Danny DeVito's in that, I think, right? Lo- yeah, there's a lot of cameos in so there. So it's a really, really cool, but but the Big Fish, the idea, it's it's the kid's memory, or it's stories of his father, right? Stories as told by his father. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm thinking that Norm wrote this as a way to enshrine himself as a legend for the long fucking play in a way that is not, you know, people aren't going to read it and think it's a hundred percent factual, but I don't think that's the point. I think the point is he wanted to give himself the lasting impression of this is what I want people to think when they think of me um, in in like a very serious way. There's some interest. and And as soon as that thing popped into my head, like the stories he starts telling there, there's one story he's talking about looking at a painting of a picture and it's a picture of a woman who's taking, um, it seems like it's a Norman Rockwell sort of thing where she's taking laundry off the clothesline and a young boy is like, they're pulling at her skirt, trying to be like, Hey, come on, we got to go. And she looks like she's in a rush. So he kind of builds this norm, builds this story about what's happening beyond the frame of the picture. And then he says, but then I tried to look at the paint and think of it as just paint, but you've got to be really, really, really smart to just see the paint. And I couldn't do it. And, 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 you know, it's just like he's positioning the, the, the presentation versus the actual subject. And he's drawn a distinction there. And it just, the, the more I listen to it, the more it blows my mind that he, so the book came out in 2016 where he had cancer. He already had cancer in 2016. If he was fighting this thing for nine years, maybe he's thinking he doesn't actually make it through cancer. And and this is, and I don't know, like who, who knows. Right. But I think he might have put this together in a way that was his way to leave his legend to the world and and he did he's such a private individual that like that's part of the act like Norm as a whole
1: I, I don't think he intended this to be his his last book I don't think he in, intended it to be reference after death as sort of the reference Yeah but I see what you're saying and I I would I would probably say this I I hope, (laughs) I I know I don't, the three of us don't know what it's like to live with something that could kill you at the drop of a hat almost. Yeah. Like he, Bob Saget said that the two of them were talking about that movie two weeks before he died, like it was going to happen. And how he feels in his heart that that Norm genuinely thought he was going to beat the thing. Even in the little bit that I've re-listened to now after he passed away, there's definitely that tone in there. He talks about his obituaries in the prologue. That's the first thing he he talks about how somebody, this story about how somebody edited his, edited his Wikipedia to be dead. Yeah. Yep. And how he felt yep. about it. So there's definitely the idea of death in there, but Norm's comedy all the way back to probably the beginning of cancer, but he, but definitely after his father passed away, there's been a lot of death in his comedy. A lot of talk about death, a lot of um, ruminating on it. And I, th- I think that that's, maybe that was a fascination to him because he was so close to it or he was faced with the reality of it a little bit more than a lot of us have been. Yeah, maybe. Um, and so I think that affected everything that he's done in the last... Uh, decade two in its own way. And so when you write a book, I'd imagine that, and you know that a bunch of people are going to get it and read it and it's going to be out there forever. Okay. Yep. So when you write a book in a position of that he's in, you almost have to consider it as something that's going to be a legacy. If it's one of 10 that you write, or if it's the only one you end up writing, but especially if you know, you have something that could yeah, kill you and, and it's it was clearly in the forefront of his mind often.
0: Well, a, a, a semi-fictional memoir written by a guy that has cancer. Like, I feel like yeah. there's... Sure, it, it's going to influence it. But I, I I assume it would have maybe changed his approach to it as well.
1: I don't know. That, that's so kind of like, what I'm thinking. What well, you were saying before that even... I, I knew before I clicked this audio, I just had this feeling that the old man Norm MacDonald was gonna be the guy that read this, because I don't think he would could read it in any other way. Like I just he loves jumping into that character and and so it's not Norm reading the book. It's old it's this guy that sounds like he's seventy-five years old. <laughs> but that's not um that's not uh intentional. I mean that's not um it's almost not a choice for him. Uh, it's just something that he's going to do in that position. Like reading a story to somebody, the old man's coming out, you know, it's just how he is. Yeah. Sorry. Craig. For
2: Norm specifically, no problem. I've been trying to get in just before we moved too far away from the, the paint versus the picture thing really stuck mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about that specific point, I think on the non aired Norm cast. <laughs> uh, we talked about, uh, if if listeners don't remember, they didn't they didn't listen to that one. We recorded about we did not record about 30 minutes by accident before we had to reset and do it again. But there's a point that I thought made it onto the podcast that it turned out didn't, and it was in on the dark version, the dark part. Um, where we talked about with Norm frequently, for those I find that appreciate him the most, uh with Norm, they you have to be able to to borrow that, see the paint and not the picture, because with Norm, sometimes, the, frequently, actually, with him, the joke is are not the words that he is saying. Yeah. They are the context. They are the room that he is in. They are the people in the audience. Uh, they are the situation within the world at that particular time, where that can be the joke without it being something that he says directly. And I don't. I haven't seen anybody. Uh, quite so masterfully do that, um, where uh, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not seeing the pain and you're just watching the picture, I think those are the people who are just like, oh, Norm's okay, I guess. I liked, I liked Weekend Update, a couple of the jokes, but yeah. uh, like we talked about, even uh, I brought up uh, the Germans love David Hasselhoff, and Ty, you immediately and rightly pointed out that. Eventually, the joke was, look what I'm doing with some of the most valuable airtime I'm ever going to get in my whole career, potentially. I'm just <laughs> telling the same stupid joke over and over again. <laughs> and that's the thing where the joke is not the words. The joke is the context and the, the place that he's telling them. And, and to me, the, what you've just told with the paint versus the picture, I think Norm more than anybody else uh, okay. saw the paint instead of just the picture.
0: Well, and one of the things that kind of got me thinking in this direction was um, he really uh, you can tell he's got a really uh, good, good relationship with Adam Egan. And I know that, again, another incredibly obvious thing to say, but man, Adam Egan is like the main character in at least half of the book that I've gotten through so far.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: And he does it shitting on Adam Eagot, but in in like the way that two comedians who are best friends would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? But the way you would crack jokes
2: about like your friend go away goes away on business trips all the time or Exactly. It's available for voice work and stuff like that.
1: (laughs) You know. You know. If there's anyone out there who's not convinced that Norm was more playing a part than not when he when he was when he was being a public figure. You should listen to. There's this guy I've always been aware of. His name's Keith Reza. And the reason I'm aware of him is because Norm sort of took him under his wing and was helping him with stand up. And I think I've heard, the, the two of them were on morning shows and stuff um, together. When he I think he took Keith with him to open for him a bunch of places. Keith is a a guy and he's 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 a uh, he has autism and Norm was helping him with stand up. And this guy did a, a, like a one hour thing after Norm died and talked about how much he loved him and how he took him under his wing and different things that he said to him. And then he played a couple of voicemails that he left for him. And um, Dan, you're, you're, you're right on the money with him being the old man uh, where he's, he's the act is what he, as soon as he steps out onto the stage, And it's the whole charade, and it's even the. I think later, even I think he got into the the metaverse of uh, the fact that his clips were being shared, and and that he was confusing people about this true nature and all that. I think he got. I think he incorporated that into the mix, and I think that uh, he liked that.
0: Well, well, there's 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 another story that's in there that is earlier on, kind of when he starts. Um when the him and added Adam Egot story begins in the book, um, they already have a history kind of when this happens. And again, it's based on a true story. So who the hell knows, but uh, Adam's running the the comedy store. I think it's comedy is the comedy store. Is that where it is? Yeah. Yeah. So he's the manager of the comedy store and Norm is going on stage and Norm just bombs for his whole set and he says, as he gets out there and says his first joke and the joke doesn't land, all of a sudden there's this clarity. And he, he now, there's this plan that's just in his head. And he continues to bomb for the rest of his set. Couldn't give a shit because he's like, that's part of the plan. Don't worry. It's all, it's all part of it. And then him and Adam, Adam Eget go on this trip to, uh, to Las Vegas. And that's, that's kind of where I am in the story. But, um, just like he's, he, it is him saying I'm playing a long game in a book. You know, mm. I mean, that's, I think, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think maybe I'm reading tea leaves here at this point, but uh, I feel like he's- No, I think,
1: I think you've, you're reinforcing everything energy. we said in the last episode, too. Yeah, I, maybe I, honestly, maybe like I'm just,
0: I, so this is it. I, maybe I'm just coming around to the actual genius that is Norm MacDonald. You know what I mean?
1: No, and that's on us, too. I mean, we tried to record a, an episode twice last week, so that <laughs> that's part of the problem, but-
0: but oh, yeah, I, I think, week.
1: I think we all understand l- layers on layers on layers with this guy, yeah. and yep. almost and and you could perceive it all being intentional. And I'm totally on board with that interpretation mm. because I think he's capable of it, yep. more than capable of it. I think there's a point to it if he does it, and then I I've seen enough glimpses of the real man underneath, where I know, and, and that just makes it even harder, you know, because he, yeah. the the evidence and all of his friends and all the people that knew him, this was a, a genuine good person underneath all of it, and uh, everything he did was, for the for those of us who were lucky enough to, to at some point, get the joke and then stay on the ride until it was over. Really glad we all got a better appreciation of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, really wish we sure. could have
1: seen Dirty Work, too. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, all right,
2: gentlemen. So are we, are we done are we done, Nor, are we done Normcast 2.0 here or That's right. That's right.
1: Ty, you doing... been, you've
2: you been watching anything you want to bring up other than uh, Squid Game? I I saw Dune. Oh, yeah, you
1: did. Yeah, I saw Dune. So that's kind of a payoff to me yapping off for 20 episodes. Go see it if you haven't seen it. I really really enjoyed it. Now, you know, if you're not into sci-fi like hardcore sci-fi, maybe don't go see it.
2: Mm-hmm. But if you
1: are, go see it. Really good movie. What,
2: what I've heard is uh, people who will like the director's uh, previous movie, Blade Runner 2042, 2042? 49, 49, which we covered here in a previous episode. Uh, if you liked that, you will also love this. It's uh, stylistically and directorially very similar, but uh, in all the good ways.
1: It's still sitting with me. And, and so I, I've got, and I'll watch it again soon, but um, I don't think, In three weeks, I'm going to go, oh, that was a shit movie. It wasn't trying to fool me like, you know, like a J.J. Abrams movie. It wasn't trying to get you so hyped up on adrenaline. Then when you walked out of the theater, the first words of your mouth was, I think that was good. And then two weeks later, you realize it was dog (laughs) shit.
2: But it it (laughs) did, uh, and I mean, spoiler alert for anybody, it did hit you with a surprise cliffhanger. I think you weren't anticipating that you had mentioned.
1: Well, it's a surprise if you haven't been into any of the press, but okay. it, they, the, the surprise is gone in second one of the movie because it says Dune part one. Uh, so okay. if you didn't know up to that point, you, you're they, they let you in on it as soon as you sit down. Okay. okay. Um, That's but yeah, and, and it does very much feel like a movie that you really are going to appreciate it as part of two movies together. Like, like a lot of people watch Lord of the Rings. I think in the future, you'll prefer to watch this all as one thing if you watch it at all, because it does really kind of go, oh, boy, I really want to see the rest of this. But and you got to wait two years. So but again, that's that's a good complaint to have because I do want to see part two. And it's a good film. So
2: I was going to mention my my musical moment that I let you guys know about my musical blind spot, uh, which I thought was kind of a funny story um i am not uh, progressive in any ways by the music th- in the music that i listen to typically uh I like have sexually
0: very you're very progressive super progressive i've yeah. had
2: some strange <laughs> things inside Just
0: musically me. you're
2: musically i'm very uh i've got a wheelhouse and it tends to be uh grunge era your
1: interpretation of, of progressive is you have things inside you <laughs>
2: I didn't even tell you what they were, but there's a lot of things. <laughs> I'm open. I'm open to anything. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, so uh, I put on a Halloween playlist for my kids while they were carving their pumpkins, and a song comes on. And I've got uh, I've got a, a a love of '80s music that I share with Ty. Uh, a lot of synth based stuff and just kind of. Uh, cool vibey stuff that just you know it's nostalgia obviously I grew up in the 80s born in 1980 I remember a lot of that stuff and this song comes on and I'm like oh man I was like I like I like this group like I like the synth I like the beat the vocals sounded like kind of a younger yeah so fresh like a like a younger (laughs) Michael Jackson almost I'm like this is a good tune I'm like I gotta I gotta add this to the liked list and, and shuffle back to this one later And so I had almost messaged Ty about it and been like, hey, have you heard this song? And so hop on Spotify again later and check it out. And uh, the song is uh, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd, which has 2.6 billion listens, billion with a B, (laughs) on Spotify. He played it in a Super Bowl halftime show. It was his wrap-up song. I watched that show and that Super Bowl. (laughs) And I was just like, "Oh, this is a banger! What is this thing? What's this new, this new gem I just unearthed that I need oh, to tell man. people about?" It turns out it's been played more than any other song for it's the funny, last. Funny. The first years. time
1: I heard him on the radio, I remember saying to my wife, "Is this Michael Jackson?" Yeah. And she said, "Um, she said no. She told me it was, it was the weekend, but you you the first time you told the story, I don't think you mentioned Michael Jackson. That that exact same first impression I had when I heard him." was that this is this guy is trying to be the new Michael Jackson. I didn't think it would work, but apparently it's gone over like gangbusters. So good for him. I think he's pretty good. Yeah,
2: he's good. Yeah. And he, I, I rewatched a bit of the halftime show. And you know what I like about him? He can't dance and he doesn't try to. He's like, I'm just going to sing. That's my
1: thing. He does. Yeah, he sounds so much like Michael Jackson. That, From uh,
0: Scarborough, Ontario. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Group grew up in Scarborough. All right, does that bring us to an end of the um, Squid Normcast? Well, I'd like to uh, thank everybody that listens to this, especially if they are in Montenegro. Uh, Appreciate the download, folks. Feel free to chime in on our Instagram survey of who's hotter, Vin or Dwayne. Um, Craig Laporte, Ty Roberts, and myself, Dan Hurt, produce, write, record, edit. Well, mostly that's Ty. We do all sorts generally, of fun stuff. We
2: generally fuck this up.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially the <laughs> outros. Thanks, Craig. Um, so,
1: excuse <laughs> <laughs> it a consistent. long track. Take all the time you need.
0: Ty Roberts is also the best boy, Grip. But uh, thank you guys all very much for listening. I hope, uh, hope this gave you an interesting insight or a smile or something along the way. And I don't know. Stay tuned Bonner. for. For what?
2: Boners. I hope it gave it a lot of boners. <laughs> yeah. Boners. Craig's really? very
1: progressive.
0: Sexually. This
2: is so progressive. Put it on the let's list of about, things. Let's talk about boners. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Dan. You're doing uh, great.
0: Leaving on a turgid note here. All right. Well, thank you very much, folks. We'll uh, we'll see you around. Bye. Consult your physician. Or your dental okay. hygienist.
2: Oh, there you go. That's. That's ties.
0: Another medical professional.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Well, I think that's when I was still hot on Vin Diesel. One last ride.